Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Love 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning with the Friedman family. Avram Fried and his familial colleagues, as I call them, uh, with some of the great Zmiros from the album My Zadie Zmiros here at J.M. in the A.M. Of course, Regesh and Modani opened things up. And we say good morning on a Friday on this May the 17th, day 12 in the month of E.R. The year is um, 5779. Tough Shinayan test. Today is day number 27 in the counting of the Omer. Day number 27. We forgot to count last night. Uh, make sure to do so sometime today. Um, all right, there we go. So again, day 27 in the counting of the Omer as we get set. Believe it or not, Tonight, we will be four weeks into the Omer. Wow, which means, I guess, three weeks from tomorrow night is Shavuos. Unbelievable how time flies. Erev Shabbos Parsha's MR with candle lighting time at 7.48 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.48, uh, your official candle lighting time. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunday is Pesach Sheni, as I pointed out during bonus JM. I guess that means a lot of people will be... Uh, starting their Malava Malko with a couple of uh, pieces of matzah tomorrow night <laughs> as Pesach Sheni is on Sunday. And, of course, Thursday is Lagba Omer. We could not be any happier <laughs> to get back to our regular format, which we will do at some point overnight on uh, Wednesday night. 60 degrees with 71% humidity. Winds of southwest at 5 miles an hour. Afternoon thunderstorms with a high temperature of 77. Then tonight, isolated thunderstorms and a low of 56 Tomorrow, partly cloudy for Shabbos with a high of 73. We're at 87 in Yerushalayim. Wow. 60 here in New York City as we say good morning on a JM in the AM. Our spring fundraiser is in full swing. And we hope everybody out there who's received an envelope in the mail, along with our uh, car magnet and NSN luggage tag, I hope all of you have been able to return uh, the envelopes to us with great donations to keep us going. Uh, those of you who don't have envelopes or those of you who tune in and have not yet become members of our supporting, an amazing uh, family of support, um, you can go to fjbunity.org, FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, and give generously, and I hope you will, and I hope you'll encourage others to do so as well, fjbunity.org. 
And I thank everybody who so far has made our spring fundraiser a success right off the bat. Weekly update is coming up about an hour and 10 minutes from now with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up. And, of course, Rabbi Yudin at 820, I should say 815, officially scheduled uh, for Rabbi Yudin uh, to speak about Parsha's MR. I know we are one Parsha off with Israel, and that's going to remain until August, believe it or not. That's what happens. That's what happens when when the calendar is uh, adjusted because of Achor until Pesach. Um, so we're Parsha off, but uh, hey, what can you do about that? At 2.06 this morning, Eastern Time, we got a nice uh, nice note on the app, listening in Beersheva. Thank you, Beersheva, and a big shout-out to you. And then Trucker Yitz is out there. About uh, eight minutes before the start of JM in the AM, he was already tuned in on an Erev of Shabbos and uh, uh, joining us for our broadcast here at the uh, bonus JM and then JM in the AM. So I thank him very, very much for that. All right, it's Friday. Lots to do. More coming up. This is the brand new single from uh, Simcha Liner uh, entitled The Nafshi. And you're listening to JM in the AM. Yeah, 
to me there used to be a minion around 
But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? I stepped off the bus in Mobile, Alabama. The sun was slowly setting on the bay. Six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. But Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. And then I saw a man who looked the same way too. I was quite relieved to find the fellow Jew. shop that red closed on the door there was a minion in the back of a hardware store nine men waiting for one more we ushered in the shabbos with a beautiful song the chazan had a voice that was clear and strong Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling 
Shabbos Minyan Night. Please, won't you stay with us for Shabbos Minyan Night? I asked the man... J.M. in the A.M. 
a.k.a. Pella with Adon Olam. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Emor. Good morning, everybody, at least outside of Israel, it's Parshas, Emor. In Israel, as you know, we are uh, one Parsha off. That's a.k.a. Pella with uh, Adon Olam um, here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, Schlockrock with Minion Man, you heard Baruch Kel Elyon. That was the Mudget's version off of Hasidisha Otros. Sunday is Pesach Sheni, which means, as I said earlier, tomorrow night a lot of people are going to be eating matzah from Alava Malka. Thursday is Lagba Omer, and we can't wait to get to Lagba Omer and start playing some of the music that we're used to here on JM and the AM. If you have some suggestions, if you have suggestions of, uh, of certain selections that must be included in a big Lagba Omer music show, then you know what we want. We want your suggestions at Nahum at NahumSiegel.com. Nahum, N A C H U M, at NahumSiegel, N A C H U M. S-E-G-A-L dot com. I mentioned earlier, thank God, we are off to a, a great start in our spring fundraiser for JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. You can go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and participate, and I certainly hope you will. FJ, excuse me, fjbunity.org. And uh, many of you, thousands of you, frankly, have uh, received in the mail our uh, car magnet and the uh, luggage tag which um, I hope you found uh, to be fun and nice. They certainly look great. And uh, anybody out there who's given by uh, going to fjbunity.org who has not received and therefore has not received the uh, the gifts in the mail, just let us know. Just let us know at nahum at nahumsegal.com. Send us your snail mail address. Be more than happy to send that over to you and uh, have you enjoy those couple of really nice items that we made for the 2019 fundraiser. And I thank you for that. And uh, anybody, again, who would like to uh, dedicate or um, or sponsor um, our broadcast, just go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. It is as simple as that. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, at on the Nahum Siegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galei Tzal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Get started with hour number two. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time, just 40 minutes from now, uh, for the weekly update, go through the news of the week, and talk about some of the things that are happening in this uh, amazing world of ours. That's all coming up here at JM and the AM. About 40 minutes from now, Rabbi Yudin at 8.15 this morning on Parsha's MR. And as I said, tomorrow night is Pesach Sheni. Thursday is Lagba Omer. We are getting set to celebrate. Circle your calendar, by the way, June 2nd. Not only is it Yom Yerushalayim, it is also the Celebrate Israel Parade in New York City, which means we'll be on Fifth Avenue and we'll be bringing you the sights and sounds of the great parade. I hope you'll be with us. If you can't be with us, I hope you'll be watching from around the world. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to JNM. גליצה לשעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. חשד לרצח בחולון. אישה כבת 70 נמצאה ללא רוח חיים בדירה בעיר. צוות מגן דוד אדום שמצא את האישה כשהיא פצועה בפלא גופה העליון, קבע את מותה במקום. כתבתנו ליה ספילקין מוסרת שהמשטרה עצרה חשוד במעשה. חברת כנסת נוספת מהליכוד נגד חוק החסינות. מיכל שיר צייצה בחשבון הטוויטר שלה שחקיקה פרסונלית היא שקויה ומיותרת לדבריה. 
עוד הוסיף השיר, הנחשבת מקורבת לגדעון סער, הליכוד היא תנועה דמוקרטית, ריבוי דעות אינו חיסרון אלא יתרון. כתבנו הפוליטי מיכאל האוזר טוב מזכיר כי אתמול אמר סער כי בחוק שמקדם נתניהו וצפוי לפטור אותו ממשפט, יש אפס תועלת ומקסימום נזק, כלשונו. המשטרה עיכבה שישה חשודים ועצרה שלושה מהם בחשד למעורבות בתאונת העבודה שהתרחשה אתמול באתר בנייה בבני ברק ובה נהרג פועל בניין כבן שלושים. החשודים יובאו בהמשך לדיון בהארכת מעצרם בבית משפט השלום בראשון לציון. הרב הראשי לישראל דוד לאו קורא לציבור להקדים את כניסת השבת ולאחר את צאתה כתשובה לחילול השבת הגדול כלשונו שצפוי בשל אירועי האירוויזיון. בשיעור במודיעין אמר לאו, בשבת הקרובה צפוי להתקיים חילול שבת המוני. לצערי זו לא הפעם הראשונה, אך הפעם זה יהיה לעיני העולם כולו כלשונו. כתבנו יואב אונגר מזכיר שהערב תתקיים החזרה הגנרלית לקראת הגמר שיערך מחר בעשר בלילה. במהלך האירוע היום ייתנו השופטים ניקוד סופי למועמדים ומחר גם הקהל יורשה להצטרף להצבעה. שוער הפועל חדירה עומר חנין חתם רשמית במיינדס הגרמנית וישחק בעונה הבאה בבונדסליגה. כתבנו אופק אלברט מוסר שחנין בן ה-21, שוער נבחרת ישראל הצעירה ושוערה המחליף של חדירה, קיבל חוזה לארבע עונות ויצא עם הקבוצה למחנה אימון כבר ביוני הקרוב. בהודעת החתימה הודיע מיינדס כי את תחילת דרכו במועדון הגרמני יעשה השוער בקבוצת המילואים. חנין שאמר לאחר החתימה כי מדובר בחלום, יהיה הישראלי השני בעונה הבאה בבונדסליגה, כשהצטרף לטלב טוואטחה שמשחק זה שלוש שנים בפרנקפורט. מזג האוויר שרבי, מחר ירידה בטמפרטורות, אלה החדשות.
JM in the AM. Wanna, uh, that's Boy Shalom done by Cole Zimro. want to thank uh, those who are commenting on the app on this um, Friday morning era of Shabbos. A lot of people tuned in from around the world. Much appreciated. Uh, let's see here. Listener Devora. Um, Nachum, as a response to the uh, Pritzut and Chilul Shabbat being caused by Eurovision, women across the world are enhancing Shabbat with early acceptance and women's gatherings for Kabbalat Shabbat. Well, I'll say the following. I- I'm not going to deny that, um, obviously, like any you know musical presentation that would take place anywhere in the world, um, what you say is going to be happening regarding Eurovision is 100% true, and it is a shame that those two things have to be in Israel. Um, and I recognize that. I, I still will will continue to point out the positive aspects of having the competition there. And um, and as I said, uh, or as I, and, and, and based on what you've told us, kudos to those who are enhancing Shabbat, whether it be for this week and for this reason or any other reason. It is to be admired. Uh, that is for sure. Uh, Trucker Yitz says, wow, great hour of, uh, good, great first hour of music. And that first half hour, how can I get them to sing at the Shabbos table all those miros? <laughs> those are the pieces done by Avram Fried and his uh, siblings and family. Um, let's see what else we have here. Yitzchak in Kemp Hill, Maryland, says Shabbat Shalom. Weekly update coming up just over 20 minutes from now here at JM in the AM. Just over 20 minutes from now. Um You'll have the weekly update here at JM in the AM with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, and obviously uh, Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15 on Parshas Emor. We may be a Parsha all from Israel, but he'll be doing Parshas Emor for us in Chutzlaretz in the diaspora coming up here at JM in the AM. I keep pointing out that Sunday is Pesach Sheni. That means it starts tomorrow night. Get the matzah ready, everybody, for Pesach Sheni. And um, Thursday is Lagba Omer, and we cannot wait to get back into our regular music format. If you have a specific song or a group of songs that you think we should include in our Lagba Omer special, our big jam and the M Lagba Omer show, just let us know what they are. Nachum at NachumSiegel.com. Nachum at NachumSiegel.com. And again, a big thank you to everybody who's donated so far at FJBUnity.org. FJBUnity.org. A big thank you to those who have already donated to our spring fundraiser. Much Appreciated. It's Dadya, JM in the AM. שוב אני עומד בצד חושב עליה רק רוצה להיזכר בכל מה שעשה
na Steht und er bet zu sein Taten in der Steht und er bet zu sein Taten im Tate, 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 Tate. Wir haben schon genug durchgemacht. Pam 
למה זה בדרך, ואני הולך עם ראש למעלה, כל אחד הוא בן או בת של מלך. כך היה, וככה זה גם עלה, יהודים נשמה בוערת. בכל מקום ובכל ארץ, לא רוצה שיהיה אחרת. יהודי אני, זה מה שהוא נצחי. בני אברהם, יצחק ויעקב, בני שר יתקרב אליה, בני אברהם, יצחק ויעקב, בני שר יתקרב אליה. A little bit of history I've been through Ask me where I'm from and I will tell you I'm a Jew and every Jew's a proud Jew Not just me, my sisters and my brothers Never be ashamed to be a proud Jew It's not what you've done, it's how we made you So sing the song and spread the pride around you Yodiani, eternally B'nai Abraham, Yitzhak Yaakov B'nai Saif Kachem Ari Goldwagen Company, Ivrianochi. Day 27 in the counting of the Omer, three weeks and six days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to, um, if you have to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Uh, candle lighting at 748 in New York. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Um, and um, as we said, tomorrow night is Pesach Sheni. This coming Sunday and Lagba Omer happening on Thursday, and it can't come fast enough. Although, listener Chaya, who just commented on the app, may disagree with me. <laughs> she says, I've been enjoying all the great acapella artists. Please keep them as part of the lineup even after Sphere is over. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll make that executive decision at some point. I can tell you that this coming Thursday, though, will be a big Jewish music special. If you have suggestions for songs that must be included in the Lagba Omer special, obviously just send it to us. All your suggestions, Nachum at NachumSiegel.com. I want to thank those who've responded so far to our spring fundraiser, uh, which is off to an amazing start. If you have not yet had an opportunity to support the Nachum Siegel Network and JM in the AM, go to FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org, and we thank you for your support. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Always good to be with you, and knowing that Shabbos is coming. Yeah, it's always a good feeling, huh? Um, you know, I mean, look, you, you, you've you recommended 
that we limit the amount of publicity we give certain government officials. And I get that. But sometimes when they make outrageous statements and some people in our community you know, consider whether in fact what they're saying is correct, I feel it's important to bring it up. In this case, of course, a Democrat from Michigan, Rashida Tlaib, and her, oh, and her comments on Israel and the Holocaust. Uh, unfortunately, many Democrats ran to her defense, including, and we have the quotes in front of us, but I don't know if we need to go into them, uh, including House Speaker Pelosi, including House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, including Representative uh, Earl uh, Blumenauer, uh, Representative Veronica Escobar, Senator Bernie Sanders, and others. Some of these names, I'm sure, don't surprise you. But some of them, I think, do. You know a lot of these people, and you I, I would bet in the case of one or two of them, you're a little bit surprised that they backed her the way they did. Am I right? <clears throat> Sorry, just trying to swallow. No problem. Um, you're more than right. It, um, it, it was very disturbing, and we did issue a very strong statement on the historiosity of uh, of what she said, that she completely misinterprets, misrepresents the history, even if one is to give her the benefit of the doubt that she intended to say what she claims she said, although that's not what came out, um, about the role of the Arabs in uh, in the 1940s, when in fact... Not only did they offer safe haven for Jews, but they engaged in, in massacres, killing hundreds in violent protests against immigration, putting pressure on the British um, to to limit immigration, even after Kristallnacht, after Nuremberg laws, after you know the situation had deteriorated. And so the assertions that she made that the, of, of what happened, you just have to point to the to the key leader, Hajjal Amin, the Mufti of Jerusalem, who, who lived in, in Berlin with a hefty salary from um, Hitler, and is reported to have been the one to come up with the idea of the final solution. He's the one who, who, who motivated and mobilized Bosnian Muslims who, who were very cruel uh, and uh, harsh uh, participants in the, in the war and the efforts. So the, the idea to misrepresent and distort the history of uh, of what happened, and then the the rush to to defend, it, it doesn't uh, make the distinction uh, on these grounds. They can interpret what her intention was, and anybody can, she can, and has. Uh, but the um, but it would appear to me to that maybe they made a decision that any time the Republicans attack somebody, they're going to rush to their defense. And uh, that there are surprising. Some of the statements are very surprising. Um, now I point, and uh, I, I am not calling you out on this, obviously. But uh, but my my point of mentioning that you know people like Pelosi and Steny Hoyer. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to Bernie Sanders. Nothing he says in reaction to this should surprise anybody. But we're talking about people, at least in the first group, that generally are are responsible when it comes to Jewish history and when it comes to issues like this. That's why. When I saw their statements, it, it was so startling and so striking. And yeah, well, it, start, it was startling and striking to us, too, and we've reached yeah. out to them and we'll be meeting with them. And uh, I, I, I would tell you what their motivation was if I understood it better, but I hope hopefully by next Friday I'll be able to give you a better um, understanding and that I will have a better understanding on a part of people who are really very good friends and great supporters 
of Israel and right. the Jewish community. And, and really lead support. I mean, they're members of Congress that, frankly, right. do what they do when it comes to Israel. Well, it's not only those who did speak out, it's, it's the silence of those who didn't. It's, right. And the fact that even till today, you don't have statements from, uh, I think, 9, 20 of the presidential candidates uh, uh, to... to um, to support Israel in the face of the rockets and the Hamas attacks, and you know, there, there's no, you know, to, there's no two sides to the story, and the failure on the part of the vast majority of them to stand up. Although the people you mentioned in Congress did issue mm-hmm. and, uh, strong statements and stand with Israel, and they vote still in support of Israel. Right. So right. it's a very complex and confusing time, and I, I understand for people that it's difficult to understand it. Well, sometimes. There just aren't easy explanations. Three points I want to make, if you will. First is, and I, and I mean, you've discussed this with us on this show a million times. Don't assume that your kids, and I mean, you know, the collective your kids out there, uh, uh, understand history. Don't make that assumption because the way she presents it, it's such an easy argument to fall into. It's such an easy thing to fall for. I should put it that way. That don't assume that your children and grandchildren know the real history. You got to sit down and tell them exactly what the problem is with her statements and what uh, what the reality is, what the real history is of that region. Uh, that's number one. Number two, um, uh, look, we have quotes here from the former head of the National Jewish Democratic Council, from the executive director of the Jewish Democratic Council of America. Great quotes in terms of reaction to her. Very happy that you know those who identify as Democrats, especially in title, you know, are out there saying things like that. But why they have to bring in comparisons to President Trump, I think, is ridiculous. Why they just can't uh, address address what she said on her own and, and not make these comparisons and bring in quotes from the pre- – it's so irrelevant, at least I think so. And w- wouldn't you advise them in that way to stay away from bringing other things into these issues and just address what she's done? It's a very highly politicized time, and we see the increasing partisanship – which I find very troubling, and the the polarization is, is not diminishing, it's growing. We see the political center d- d- diminishing all the time, that this follows the model of Europe, and especially, as I've pointed out for years, the model of England, which I think is usually the precursor, as it was with the BDS movement, as it is with uh, Corbyn, and as it is with the overall political uh, shift that is taking place. That uh, you know, so Hamas yesterday came out in in gratitude to Corbyn, the head of the Labour Party, for his warm greetings, and, and I think they called it support wow. for Nakba Day, which was Wednesday, May fifteenth, the the right. secular anniversary of the um, creation of Israel, recreation of Israel. That uh, uh, you know, this is a it's a worldwide phenomenon, in fact. Here in America, we are seeing this, and and the it, it, I don't see that this is going to stop anytime soon. I don't see a consensus to stop it. I know people on both sides of the aisle are troubled by it, but frankly, uh, it's a um, it's a it's a very dynamic process and, and scary. Um, I, I am I am happy that that certain um, uh, certain well known individuals who have a pulpit on social media are specifically going out of their way, and I'm not even talking about those with the religious background, are specifically going out of their way at this time uh, in reaction to her comments to point out that the Holocaust has nothing to do with Jews being in Israel. That there's a history of Jews in Palestine way before that, and of course, you know, biblically, we, we have a certain uh, belief in faith in terms of our right or the Jewish people's right uh, to the land of Israel. And I think 
that 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 this whole issue of Holocaust brings um, brings state of Israel or cr- helps create state of Israel. I think the best thing we could do is say, despite the Holocaust, we were able to you know bounce back as a people and create the state of Israel. And I think it's really important to separate the gift that the land of Israel is from God from you know what specific episodes in history might have had uh, in terms of that influence in uh, in creating them. I've used exactly that formulation about despite the Holocaust, not because of it, and that it is part of the delegitimization to say, well, Israel was a creation. It popped out of the ground in, in 1948 with no historical antecedents. It's why they, they work so hard in UNESCO and elsewhere to deny the Jewish uh, identity of the, our most sacred holy places and Christian identity as well. In the process, that it is uh, a deliberate campaign to take away our past in order to take away our future. Right. And to say that, that this was a gift from you know the UN and the US and the others, and the, the story keeps uh, changing about what happened in 1947-48, and the the fact that we we had, if you remember, President Obama in his speech mentioned it once and then retracted it uh, later on, but it it becomes a commonplace, and it does affect the political uh, standing of Israel and the. Uh, the the that's why history and something you know that I talk about all the time is so important because when you distort the history it impacts what our future will be did you have an, did you have an opportunity to view one or more of the talk shows that she went on where she was given an opportunity to clarify her comments by people who are uh, noticeably associated with our faith I did not see the uh, interviews with her I wasn't uh, in New York and near television, or but I listened to some of the discussions of it, and uh, you know it's to exculpate her. People don't want to stand up to them. Look, I, I as you know, I have a great reluctance about how much we should be right, right. promoting these names and giving them more and more visibility, and especially she who was vulnerable. But in, in this, her district. but but in this forum, I don't think it's so bad. No, no, I, I'm I, I agree. I was talking about right. in, in, overall, right. Right. you know that you have. Many members of Congress, most of them are supportive. Most of them, you know, are working hard to and diligently to come up with legislation to do positive things. And yet, the all of the the credit, all of the sunlight is being put on the these most extreme and radical, and the they get associated them with the other leaders, including the presidential candidates, uh, and. This would not happen in regard to others, and it is part of the phenomenon of anti-Semitism that we see in our country. It is part of the radicalization and the partisanship, which everybody should be concerned about. It. We see extremism on the left and extremism on the right, the Islamist extremism. I mean, we have a, a cocktail uh, of, of threats and, and sources that are, are which reinforce one another, even though ideologically they, they are polar opposites. I, uh, and I, I mentioned what I did because, uh, frankly, <laughs> whenever I do spend a lot of time on this issue, people say you're going against Malcolm's rule. And I said, I don't think Malcolm's rule really <laughs> applies to this audience. I think in this forum, it's not a bad idea sometimes to prepare ourselves for a response to the enemy, frankly. So that's why. Well, it's also a warning. And, and the, the discussion is to, to uh, alert people that because people didn't vote, or because they manipulated the system in in some of these elections, that a minority, 10% of the people in the district elect the Congress people who end up, or because of the divided fields that uh, somebody uh, can win, and uh, how important it is that people go out and vote, and, and however
however they vote, but make their voices heard. And education sometimes about, uh, for instance, this particular case, I think it is important that the facts about what happened, that you can't let that statement stand alone as the record of what happened in in the mid-1940s when it goes against the history and the truth. Right. Um, yeah, simple as that. Uh, by the way, not to, not to get too spiritual, but just in, in, indulge me for a moment. Cause usually, usually we only do things like this when holidays are upcoming, but you know, in, in our history, we have, especially when, when times are very positive, you know, both, uh, in, in the Torah and Tanakh, when, especially when times are positive there, it's very often that members of our own community are the most vocal, uh, when it comes to, um, uh, complaining about you know conditions, or when it comes to uh, you know trying to understand the other side, let's put it that way. Do you, do you sometimes get the feeling that because of Israel's position that we continue to talk about, uh, because uh, you know we are now making comparisons the way Israel is viewed by the rest of the world to the time of King Solomon, as we've done over the last couple of weeks uh, in this forum? Do you sometimes get the idea that the stronger we get in the world perception, the stronger our enemy? element from within is going to become? Well, maybe people feel more confident being critical publicly if they think that there's no immediate danger to Israel's existence mm. uh, and that uh, that unleashes the forces, and also that the more uh, successful, the more they see the, the aspirations they have for Israel, who they would like to see lead, or policies they would like to see pursued, the more vocal they become. And, too, too infrequently do they consider what the implications of the words are. People can be critics of Israel. They can be criticized Israel's policies, both from the right and the left they do it. Uh, but they got to think about what are the consequences of it when, you know, you're trying to win uh, public support. You don't, obviously, we put the security of Israel first and of the Jewish people and of the, you know, the causes that we care about uh, and the implications. Uh, but People have to think about uh, the consequences because once the damage is done, it's very hard to reverse it. Great analysis. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. If you haven't joined our spring fundraiser and if you enjoy programming like this and what we do every single day, please go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and support us. By the way, I got to give your daily alert uh, a big shout out. (laughs) I I had been familiar with the fact that people like Mark Twain and Abraham Lincoln had a special affinity toward Jerusalem. Until I read your daily alert this week, I did not know that President Grant actually visited Jerusalem. And you've got me researching that topic now, by the way, on the side. That is true. It it is not uh, Why known a number of people mentioned to me how um, yeah. impressed they were by that. Uh, very cool, and uh, I'm actually looking into it, which is uh, unbelievable when you think this was way before not just the state, but way before anybody uh, uh, felt at all uh, anything complimentary about the land of Israel. Um, uh, the uh, it looks like uh, Eurovision is uh, is going on as scheduled, and the, the 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 big boycott effort, which was in some ways you know pretty strong. Uh, it was not good enough to keep uh, people or countries away from it, right? It does look like this weekend is going to be filled with Eurovision activities in Israel. So the Eurovision, um, whether people like it or not, uh, is a worldwide platform. Yeah. M- countless millions of people watch it. 
at this, I think Saturday night is the the finals. Right. There were semifinals during the week. Right. There were attempts, and and you understand the significance of it by the nature and sophistication of the attempts meant to undermine it, both before to prevent it. How the BDS campaign uh, came up with with this. Uh, extended effort throughout Europe to try to, to go against it and getting in, in, in people like um, Pink Floyd and uh, Roger Waters and others to, to come out against and to say they're not going to participate and um, to campaign against Madonna for participating and people should express appreciation that she rejected uh, these um, appeals, that the, um, the very sophisticated bots and things that they used on the internet, fake websites, to campaign to get uh, the, um, Eurovision people to to move it, because it is considered a, a public relations platform, a, a great victory for Israel's exposure worldwide, uh, uh, and the um, and the campaign that they engaged in was not successful, obviously, uh, and the uh, the webcast was in fact sabotaged for a short while, but they were able to bring it back. The broadcast itself of the semifinals um, went ahead. But there were also threats of missiles or threats of other things that they tried to dissuade people uh, from coming. So while I've never watched the Eurovision, uh, I'm astounded by the broad reach and impact that it has. Um, In America, it's less so, but in Europe and elsewhere around the world, Asia, People stay up all night. They watch. They vote in the in the uh, final competition. Uh, so it's a it's very impactful. And the, the event for tomorrow night is uh, has been sold out for for a long time. And by the way, in this regard, I just want to say that today the German Parliament is scheduled to vote to declare BDS anti-Semitism, which is uh, it would be the first country to do that. And this is in the Bundestag today. And the bill is on resisting the BDS movement, and and to, to and it has the support of the um, Social Democrats, the SPD, the Green Party, the FPD, and Merkel's uh, CDU party. And it says that um, the government has to refrain from funding or supporting any organizations or groups that uh, question Israel's right to exist. So this is really an important piece of uh, of legislation. Hopefully. We'll by uh, late today, we'll know. What do you think was going on uh, 80 years ago this week in that area of Germany? There was no votes about BDS, I can assure you that. Unbelievable. That's something to mention at the Shabbos table tonight. Unbelievable. Um, have you heard that uh, rumors are flying that the Temple Mount will be closed on Jerusalem Day, June the 2nd? Close to Jews, excuse me. Close I've to heard Jews. that the declaration that they will close it on Jerusalem Day uh, as a safety measure uh, there are a lot of people who feel that it's the it's the wrong approach, but I don't second guess when it comes to to security and saving lives. Um, we have to accept that uh, they know what they're doing. Mm, good point. Um, all right, if you if this is really the first well, I shouldn't say the first time, but it's been a while, I think, since um, there's been this type of frenzy in the media about the possibility of war with Iran. Um, I don't know, you know, it's always tough these days knowing what the media in general thinks of the White House, <laughs> so it's sometimes hard to tell whether they're just trying to escalate things and blame things on Washington or if there's a real threat. Would you say that, in fact, uh, now in the middle of May 2019, uh, it is the heightened time of escalation in terms of the possibility of war with Iran? 
Yes, I do believe that it's a time of heightened tension and possibilities. I do not think that there will be a, you know, a war. You could have skirmishes like or incidents like what we saw in uh, with the attacks against the four tankers, two Saudis, a Norwegian, and a UE tanker, um, the explosions, which still haven't been fully explained, as well as um, the attacks by drone uh, from the Houthis in Yemen against the, the, the Saudi, the pumping stations for Saudi oil, and that there are numerous other things that have been picked up. The, the, our, these high-speed boats that I've talked about that the Iranians have deployed in the, in the Arab Gulf or Persian Gulf uh, have been reportedly been outfitted with missiles now. They also have put uh, mines, very sophisticated mines, on islands in the Gulf that they control, that they can be launched to close the Straits of Hormuz, and the threats to close the Straits uh, are all factors that, are leading up to it. The Iranians, from sources inside Iran, I've learned, are moving ships from the Caspian to the Gulf and troops down towards the front in the event. But I think the president said that he doesn't want a war, and he's he's said he's not sending 120,000 troops, but he would if if necessary. The fact that the USS Lincoln, the Abraham Lincoln, the carrier and its entire group which is thousands of uh, fighting men and uh, all sorts of naval equipment and others that have have been sent. There are F-15s seen in the air in the Gulf these days and deterrent missions to send a message to the Iranians. And we know the only language Iran understands is strength and commitment. And the, the way you avoid a war is to show them that you're prepared for one and that you're not going to step stand down in the face of the continued violations. The, the Khamenei said yesterday that they could enrich to 20% in, in four days, which means that a lot of the infrastructure is in place, and, then, and, and that they're giving 60 days notice to the United States, the world, that if they don't have a renewal of the agreement or a new deal, they are going to violate it, and they're going to go ahead with the enrichment. And then from 20% to 90%, which is weapons grade, takes half the time. And the the you know they have been very explicit in in terms of the threats, and we know that they are using their proxies. They have the Basijis, the militias, whether it's the Houthis or Hezbollah or through Hamas or through what they're doing in Iraq, and the threats against um, U.S. presence and, and forces and allies in the region. We've emptied the, our embassy in Iraq of, of non-essential uh, personnel. Uh, so the the presence of uh, even F-35s, the uh, stealth bombers, so in the region, it says that people are taking seriously the threat that we we want to avoid it, and they have to understand uh, that there will be and there could be very severe uh, consequences. And the, the and I think Iran was testing us, assuming that they in fact were behind the attacks on the on the tankers. Which you know doesn't cause immense damage, and they have to be repaired. But it, it's more—it's a message that people are sending to uh, to one another, and the, they are using social media, uh, both in cyber warfare against each other, but also to uh, uh, send messages—very negative messages and threatening messages—often. Uh, what will uh, European and UN reaction be if the U.S. in fact acts on those uh, threats of uh, consequences? 
Well, the Germans are, are scampering around trying to save the deal. The um, the Iranians are very upset with what they consider a lack of uh, responsiveness on the part of the Europeans overall to stand up against the U.S. But as we discussed many times here, when it becomes a choice and you lose access to the U.S. market or to the Iranian market, they're going to protect themselves against the loss of the use of the dollar and becoming under the sanctions, which increasingly are being implied and applied effectively. The Treasury Department is doing a great job on it. Um, and we see that Iran still tries to do the end runs. Uh, if you look at the events in Venezuela, where the sanctions have hurt the drug cartels and, of course, the collapse of the economy, but they still are raking in a fortune where the army uh, benefits but it's Hezbollah operations where they take the drugs and drug running to the United States and the, the, the very intricate uh, network through Africa, Europe, Africa, South America, the U.S. Uh, so there, there are, they're stepping up their efforts to try and, and raise money. So Hezbollah is complaining that they have, are losing money and have to schnorr money everywhere because Iran is cutting back and other sources are cut back. These are very effective countermeasures uh, to Iran, and hopefully that will be sufficient. I don't believe that Iran is prepared for, could sustain, uh, or the growing dissension in the country because of the economic consequences of the measures the United States ha has taken uh, so far. And we've seen outlined the important steps that, that have to be taken, that the um, the concerns is about um, uh, the rocket launchers on, on the small ships about the Khamenei's uh, orders that um, have been interpreted as a threat to the U.S. military and diplomatic personnel and, and our broader interests and those of our allies, and the threat in the region. And they want to see them uh, a deal which uh, the president said would cut back their missile range, cut back their regional aggression, uh, and uh, some other steps that could help defuse the current crisis. Is there, in fact, a threat from the U.S. to Iran to get out of Syria? So the U.S. Special Envoy, uh, Jeffries, uh, I saw, was um, uh, quoted as saying that they want Iran out of Syria. They don't want a compromise. By the way, I think it's something the Russians increasingly want also. They don't trust them, and for good reason. And obviously Israel cannot abide an ongoing Iranian presence that enables them to reinforce and establish their presence closer and closer to the Israeli border, to the Golan. We know the repeated attempts to, to both establish a presence and capacity there, as well as to develop means to be able to penetrate the border, whether it was the tunnels or the um, which Israel's discovered and destroyed, or the use of uh, drones over the border, or the trying to establish uh, beachheads, which uh, Israel has uh, discovered and, and uh, eliminated uh, for now, but it will keep coming back. So the, the United States has put down the marker that in any deal they want Iran out, and there are growing tensions between the parties. The, the Turks are saying that uh, the Syrian attacks on Idlib are undermining its posture there. They are complaining about the Iranian-Russian cooperation to the Russians. The Russians are, don't like what either Turkey or, or 
Syria or, or um, Iran are doing in Syria. So it's a real melange, a very complicated and complex situation, uh, and not necessarily the way that uh, it's sometimes portrayed, that the sides are so clear. If, if in fact, I don't know, there's an escalation or what some in the media will certainly call war, uh, depending on what how the United States reacts to some of the things you described that Iran is doing, what does that do to the, to the Iranian infrastructure with Hezbollah and Hamas? Not, not the PA, I guess, but certainly with the terrorist groups. Will will it alter things tremendously? Will, will an escalation with Iran by the U.S., I don't know, deter Hamas from sending rockets into Israel, or it's completely not connected? It could go both ways. One is that without the support and the financials and uh, with Iran not wanting maybe another front or Iran wanting another front to heat it up to divert attention people believe experts who have uh, and, and analysts have said that they believe that Hamas did what it did because Iran wanted to draw Israel into Gaza in order to divert their troops and attention away from Syria and give them a freer hand there. So it can go both ways for the same provocations that the uh, what what the response will be. One is the cutback in funding and the, therefore Hezbollah in particular more public in terms of trying to raise funds to continue their operations. And on the other hand, the and and Hamas and Hezbollah too. But on the other hand, they may be goaded into greater actions by Iran, whose their internal economy is suffering greatly. The um, the dissension amongst the populace is becoming more and more clear. And I've reported on this for many for a long time, more than a year, two years, about how this has been a cumulative process. Right. Uh, as the economic impact, and that this year inflation could hit 60% again, and the growth, the economy has a negative growth rate of 7%, that the the um, they are very concerned about both the domestic uh, situation as well as how they sustain their presence, their foothold in the countries they consider vital to them as part of the Shiite Crescent, meaning Lebanon, Syria, uh, Iraq, and, uh, of course, Iran and Yemen. And we see it play out this week very severely in in Iraq with different forces in the, in the Iraqi government taking different postures. The besiege is very strong there. The, the Iranians claim that 6,000 Iraqis a day seek visas to Iran. But we know that the uh, Iranians are moving Iraqi Shiites, Afghanis, Pakistanis into Syria, that they have uh, this presence to protect their interests in uh, in Iraq, which is really vital in their broader regional aspiration. Um, it, 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 is there a... Um, just lost my train of thought. Um, Your locomotive sauce. I, 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 literally, I literally had such a great question. I just flew right out of my head. Um, the um, Give me a second. Because we were talking about the uh, the influence. Oh yeah, is there anybody funding the opposition in Iran? Or if there was, you couldn't tell us this publicly anyway. Well, I think first of all, it, it, we have to give the people credit that they are the ones rising up in indignation about what's happening because they're the ones suffering under what's happening. They don't want a war. They they made that clear in the demonstrations that took place. Uh, I wish that. Uh, outside parties would be doing more, including financially, with broadcast, including financially. Pardon me, including financially, including financially to to support uh, right. the people inside the country, and they often complain that they don't feel that they get even moral support and public support uh, for what they do, and that the agencies, the broadcast agencies, and others that could be more effective if in in uh, getting 
message out showing support to the people. And they're right, and I'm sure you agree with them. I do. Uh, we should point out, finally, that it is a one-year anniversary of the embassy move, and it doesn't seem like the enemy really escalated things one way or the other because of that specific move. They they, they attacked Israel when they wanted to, the, despite the fact that the embassy was moved. And I don't think you could say it was because the embassy was moved for everybody who predicted doom uh, after that uh, after that gesture by the president of the United States. Also, um, the... Um, the uh, I'm total. I'm totally losing it this morning. Uh, <laughs> you have to stop drinking for the <laughs> you morning. Can, you you know? can say that again. <laughs> um, all right. So the embassy anniversary. Oh yeah, and the and the and it's good. I think it's good to see that the U.S. envoy, who is you know in charge of it seems, or certainly will deliver and be at the forefront of this peace proposal, whatever it is, is at least giving indication and and stating more than once that without two sides cooperating in a peace process, it's impossible to move forward. I think, that, I think that's a good way to lay the foundation for whatever it is that they're going to be proposing coming up. And I think he's been even more targeted in his criticism, uh, Jason, and I think very uh, outspoken and, and courageous in, in his uh, declarations about um, the PA's efforts in sabotaging uh, the, the, without even knowing, and nobody that I know knows uh, aside from the small group, and they've done an effective job of of containing any leaks. And it's likely now they say after Shavuot, after June 9th, that, that the, whether we'll get the whole thing or we'll get parts of it, uh, how they're going to introduce it, and people should withhold judgment until they till they see the whole package. Um, and, and there's obviously a lot of speculation and leaks, which they deny, and some which obviously which may have some elements of truth. Um, but the the rejection of it before anybody had seen it before the it would be in keeping with the history of the PA, which has, uh, as Abim said, never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity and rejected all of the past deals, all of the opportunities that they had. Uh, hopefully, that they will give this uh, a chance. You know, the Europeans obviously are not very supportive of this administration, but I hope that they will also. And, and many of the Arab countries seem to be uh, supportive or positive or encouraging and trying to get the PA, the Palestinian Authority, to to uh, agree to it, to be part of it, at least to hear it and, and be at the table. Uh, but Abbas is, is uh, very adamant about it, and he does not want to negotiate. He doesn't want to have to make any concessions. And the... Um, you know the internal situation there obviously is not good, and the economic situation in the PA, and with the cutbacks in funding. And by the way, I just want to point out one thing: when people, you know, always ask me about the to understand the hypocrisy of the Palestinian Authority. You know, they denied permission, which I, I we've discussed here a long, long time ago when it first, even before it was formally announced, that they were cutting back and not allowing Israeli uh, Palestinians from. Uh, either Judea Samaria or Gaza to go to treatment anymore in Israel. 50,000 a year did, or other estimates are 30,000, but some immense number that went every year for treatment in Israeli hospitals. And in fact, there were Jewish organizations that would line up Israelis who would line up each day to drive them oh, to the hospitals. It's, it's, it's an organized effort, whereas the PA was charging people to get online, unless you were a member of the elite and the and the ruling class in the in 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 the, the PA, you did not get online, and you had to bribe and pay in order to to get into Israel to to be treated. But Jabril Rajub, 
a minister and a leader in the a longtime leader of the Palestinian Authority who spent 17 years in jail for terrorist related <laughs> activities he took the case that he went to Ikhlab hospital Unbelievable. so it's all right for him but for the poor people who, who want to get treatment for their children and stuff, it was not. And this is the, why you have this tremendous reaction against the corruption and the, the distortion of the PA, that all those who, who espouse the BDS and start taking up the, the banner, you know, people can be sympathetic to the, to the condition of the Palestinians, but look at who's responsible. It's their leadership. It's the PA that's responsible, that won't stop funding the terrorists so that the funds that have been cut off, that are denied to their people, they live their lives normally they don't deprive anything of themselves but continue this and the and the you know the distortions in the media and the press about uh, especially about that story of the woman and her child who were killed when you know people feel uncomfortable when we we uh, sometimes criticize the press look at this blatant case where they finally admitted Palestinian Islamic Jihad admitted that they had killed her with an errant bomb a missile of their own and offered her compensation and stuff and yet, that hardly makes any gets any mention or notice uh, in in the in the press. Whereas the, you know, they trumpeted the um, the original story. Yep. So it's uh, you know it's an important lesson for everybody. Appreciate your time. Have a wonderful Shabbos and go Israel. Maybe they'll win Eurovision for the second year in a row. Who knows? <laughs> but you saw the Shalva band got yeah tremendous, uh, response amazing. In, in their performance. Yeah. Amazing. What a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And by the way, because we had listeners who pointed out some of the bad elements of Eurovision, we, we, and I, which I understand, whether it be modesty or Shabbat, etc., mm -hmm. we, we, we have to also concentrate on the good things that are coming out of this. So thank you. All right, Malcolm, thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow you have the privilege of reading Parshas Emor. According to the Chinuch, there are no less than 63 mitzvos in Parshas Emor. There are 24 positive mitzvot and 39 restrictions. It is an exceedingly rich Parsha. At the beginning of the Parsha, we have the laws specifically related to the Kohanim and some of the restrictions. Now, the Torah tells us, V'kidash to, we are to literally treat the Kohanim with not just respect, but Kedusha. Kedusha always means that there is more holiness. So Shabbos is more Kadosh than Yom Tov. And Mr. Cohen is more Kadosh than Mr. Levi and Mr. Yisrael because Mr. Cohen has more restrictions. Mr. Cohen cannot marry a Gerusha. Mr. Kohen cannot marry a convert. Mr. Kohen cannot um, go to a funeral and be under the same roof as the deceased. Cannot go to a cemetery whereby he passes uh, literally uh, under a tree or with close 
proximity under a tree that's covering a grave with close proximity to a grave and these laws are maintained to this day. We have as well in Parshas Emor, the Parsha of the Moadim, of the holidays that we read on um, the various Yom Tovim we just read on Pesach, on the second day of Pesach from Parshas Emor. And we have as well in this week's Parsha the mitzvah of Sviras HaOmer, that we are in the middle of right now. I'd like to share with you an interesting um, question posed by the Be'er Yosef and the fascinating answer that he gives. His question basically is, why? Why is the period that we are in now known as that of the Omer. Why is the actual counting between Pesach and Shavuos known as Sfiras HaOmer? After all, and that is the bracha that we recite each and every night, Vitzivanu al Sfiras HaOmer. After all, what was an Omer? And why is this period literally governed by that term? So, the Omer is a measure, a dry measure, not a liquid measure. It's found first in conjunction with the Mun, that the Mun came down in the desert, an Omer of Mun per person. And the term Omer literally means, as we see from the context, that Omer la Gugoles. And Omer was the amount necessary to provide sustenance per person per day. So quantitatively, it is not that much. We're talking about a few pounds. But we find the Medrash speaks of the very significant aspects of this Omer including, says the Midrash Rabbah in chapter 28 in Vayikra, Reblevi taught that among the different aspects that the Omer helped the Jewish people, he sha'amda lahem bimehaman. This is what came to their rescue and helped the Jewish people at the time of Haman. Kivan shara'ah es haman ba'ah the Medrash continues that when Mordechai was frightened, because not knowing who would be on the horse, what's going on here, he sees Haman coming with the horse. So Haman asked them, tell me, what are you studying? And they answered him, the students of Mordechai, regarding the Omer, that the Jewish people would bring in the Beis Hamikdash on that day, which happened to be the 16th day of Nisan. And Haman answered them, Kumu, get up. Dinitzchu aseres minchon, because your tenth, the Omer being an aseres ho'efah, a tenth of an ephah, your tenth that you have brought has 
cause you to be victorious over my 10,000 silver uh, coins or silver talents that I have pledged for the destruction of the Jewish people. Okay, now what's so special about the Omer? After all, only a kometz, three fingers worth that the Kohen drew from this Korban Mincha was actually placed on the Mizbeach, on the altar. The rest was eaten by the Kohanim. So, what was so special about it? And the Medrash continues that the Pasuk in chapter 17, by Avram Avinu, and you, Esprisi Tishmor, keep my covenant. Which covenant? It refers to the um, mitzvah of the Korban Omer. Now, the 302nd mitzvah, mitzvah Shin Beis, which is the mitzvah of bringing the Korban Omer of barley. The purpose for this, writes the Chinuch, is that on the second day of Pesach, each year, a Korban was brought to thank Hashem for the Chesed HaGadol, for the great kindness that he does with his briosav, with his creatures, with his people, lechadesh lehem shana shana, to renew and to give them annually mitvuah from the grain lemichya as sustenance, and therefore, before we partake of the new grain, which can only be done after we take from the barley, because the barley ripens, as we know from the end of Parshas Vo'era. Barley ripens before the wheat. So we take an omer's worth of barley, we bring that as a korban in the Besam Mikdash, basically thanking Hashem, and as a result of our bringing the Omer of barley to him, he in turn blesses our um, produce for the forthcoming season. Now, interestingly, we start counting on that same day, the 16th day of of Nisan, the second day of Pesach. Why? We start counting from that day on to Kabbalah Satora. The first day of Pesach is reserved exclusively for celebrating the miracle of the Exodus Yitzias Mitzrayim. The Omer is brought on the second day as Hakora Satov. We show our appreciation for Hashem's renewal of the produce annually. And therefore, we start counting from the second day. Why are we counting the Omer? So listen to this interesting Medrash. The Medrash goes on to say, in the name of Rebrachia, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe, tell the Jewish people, Kishoyisi nosein lochem eshamon, when I gave you the mon in the desert, I would give Hoisi no sein omer the echod 
I gave to each and every individual Omer Lagugolglas, an Omer per person. Viachshav, and now Shatem Nosnimli, that you are asked to give me a gift. Ainli Ella Omer Echad Mikolchem. All I have is one Omer from the entire nation, and that is brought from Saorim, from barley. Therefore, points out the Be'er Yosef, there's a strong connection between the Omer and the Mun. Namely, the Mun with all its miracles, that an Omer satisfied each person, a mature adult, an older person, a younger person, one Omer per person, and they were satiated. It tasted like whatever you wanted it to taste like. You couldn't leave it over from a Monday to a Tuesday because it would rot. You could leave it over, and you did leave it over from Friday to Shabbos, and it did not rot, and that's why we have Lecha Mishnah Friday night, tonight, and tomorrow at the Shabbos table. We uh, cover it when we recite the Kiddush, but the idea is that the man was both a physical and a spiritual nourishment, that he, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is the one who nourishes all. But now what's happening is the Jewish people are transitioning into Eretz Yisrael, and the land is going to yield its produce. And the natural tendency is, ay, 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 that this is going to diminish the emuna, the faith of the people, as they will now work the land, they will now sow, they will now plow, they will now plant, they will now harvest. And chas v'shalom, what's going to come with that is look what I, look what I. Therefore, number one, Moshe was told to put a tzintzenes hamon. At the end of Bishalach, they were to put aside, literally for safekeeping, that it would be there for future generations. And indeed, Yirmiyo Anavi asks the people, why aren't you keeping Shabbos? Why aren't you keeping the Torah? They said, come on, we have to make a living. He went in and to the Holy of Holies, and he took out the Tzinsenes of Mun from the Oron. And he said, Ru, take a look. He didn't say Shimu. He said, see, just as Hashem provided for you in the desert, he can still continue to so do. So now, says the Torah, when you come to the land, you ought to bring an Omer to remind us to remember the Mun. And therefore it's called Korban Omer, because just as the Mun came down an Omer, so too. And interestingly, points out the Be'er Yosef, why is this Korban Omer brought on the 16th of Nisan? Listen to this, because that was the day that the nourishment of the man stopped. Among the many miracles that the man had was that the man stopped on Zion Adar, the day that Moshe died. And that same month that came down, we find in the book of Yoshua, chapter 5, verse 12, this sustained and nourished the Jewish people, that they were able to eat from that through 
the 15th of Nisan, through the first day of Pesach, and after that we find that they ate from the produce of the land. So the Torah tells us, before you start annually eating the produce of the land, bring on that day an Omer, an Omer Tenufa, an Omer which is waved in all directions, showing that it all comes from Him on high. And as a result, as He brought the man, and as the Omer of Mun was clearly from Him, so too is the produce that we enjoy in the land of Israel coming from Him. There's no difference if it's Lechem min HaShamayim, if it's Lechem min HaAretz, it all comes from Him. And truthfully, when you start, as we're starting now, the new harvest season of the barley and then the wheat, please God, on Shavuos. The idea is that when you start your day with acknowledging HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's all different. You start the day with prayer, it's a different day. Before you eat, you make a bracha, it's a different eating. And so the beautiful concept of counting Omer is we are not only counting towards Shavuos when we are going to celebrate the acceptance of the Torah, but the preparation for our acceptance of the Torah is the counting of the Omer, reminding us that it all is a blessing from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How appreciative we should be that we are the recipients of His generosity. And as He did, so He does. And Hashem, so He will. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Keep Alive. Great job. I want to thank Avrami. He alerted me to that selection. It's Keep Alive with the Kalbach Kabbalat Shabbat, a uh, great a cappella selection for a uh, Friday in the three, in the nine day. What are we in? Three weeks? Nine days? Sphera format. Thank you. In the Sphera format here at J.M. in the A.M. Sarah Shabbos Parshas M.R. Candle lighting at 748 in New York. Sunday is Pesach Shani. Get ready for a, a matzah-filled Malava Malka tomorrow night. Thursday is Lagba Omer. Today, by the way, day 27 in the counting of the Omer. Three weeks and six days. Forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Don't forget Sharsheret. Their big high anniversary event this Sunday. Go to sharsheret.org for info about their big Teaneck event this coming Sunday. Don't forget that the OHEL OXC, the Extreme Challenge Classic, is this coming Sunday. They are almost at 3,000 donors, which is amazing. Oh, what am I talking about? They're over 3,100 donors already. They're over 3,100 donors. They're approaching 470 participants, and they are approaching half a million dollars. Go to ohelloxc.org, ohelloxc.org, and good luck to everybody this coming Sunday, ohelloxc.org. And to make sure to give as generously as possible, sponsor a participant, sponsor a team, and uh, everybody have a good time with that this coming Sunday. It's really it's a remarkable event. A really, really remarkable event. I'm sure plenty of people, um, I'm sure plenty of people find out they could do s- stuff that they never in a million years thought they could do when they hit that uh, when they hit that course on Sunday. That's for sure. Um, this listener says, heard a presentation by Tal Brody last night. He described the great benefits of the Eurovision contest being in Israel. He described how Europeans are seeing Israel as it really is by traveling around the country. Great point. Great point. I like that point 100%. Thank you for posting that on the app. It is much appreciated. More coming up. Keep it here at JM in the AM with the Friedman family from the album My Zadie's Miros. <laughs> 
The Friedman family featuring Avremo Fried and his uh, familial colleagues from My Zadies Miros at JM in the AM. 
Time to say good Shabbos. After all, it's Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JMM. Remind, reminder, an amazing collection of Erev Shabbos selections coming at you all day long, starting at 10 a.m. with our uh, friends at Kedem sponsoring the Erev Shabbos music mix. Harry Rothenberg in the video blog for the Parsha coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And Naomi Nachman is next with an encore of Table for Two on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job Done. Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. Man and his creator, it's a very special sign. Your candles will be burning. Songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio 
around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Coming up next, an encore presentation of Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. After that, it's the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, Harry Rothenberg's video blog on the Parsha of Emor, coming up at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Single with Avrami, and of course, Sunday, no one wakes up the Jewish world like Matis does on a Sunday morning, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time with JM Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in. We are back Monday morning. Right here on JM and the AM. Don't forget, Sunday, by the way, is Pesach Shani. Did I mention that a few times this morning? And Thursday is Lagba Omer. We're already preparing for our big Lagba Omer music special. Make sure you are tuned in. Have an amazing and incredible Shabbos and a great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Sigal reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.